We're just going to do our best to follow what I'm feeling like the leading of the Spirit is this morning. Kind of knew yesterday it was going to be that way. I mean, we always try to follow the Spirit of God to, for the message of the day. But sometimes He stretches me a little more than others. Just be frank with you. But I've learned to depend on Him. I never, I've never came to the pulpit without something to say yet. And by the way, there's a lot of people that come to pulpits and talk a lot, but they don't have anything to say. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so if you, can't, if you don't have anything to say, say it loud. You know, no musicians that way. The band back home, they wasn't good, but they were loud. That's uh, where I feel like we're at. Last Sunday morning, there was a the, there was gift of spirit in operation, a message in tongues interpretation, and one of the things, two of the things I remember is very vividly. Is that he's with? He was is with us. His presence is with us. And I, I probably should elaborate on that a second because there's some misunderstandings about that nowadays. You know, because God is omnipresent; He's everywhere. He is, but you know what? He is some places more than He is other places. See, what are you talking about? There are places all throughout the Word that He made His presence manifested. He made His presence known. Hello? So the the omnipresence of God does not negate the manifest presence of God. When He makes His presence known among His people, that is something that should never be taken for granted. Says I, I'm with you. Now, if God, you know, if God's with me, come on, Mag Church. If God is with us, well, say what Paul said. If God be for us, who can be against us? When he would tell the children of Israel, "I am with you," that was assured victory. If he's with you, you have assured victory. It's not in doubt. I'm with you and I'm pouring in the oil. And wow, what? I've waited a long time to hear that. I'm pouring in the oil. And I'm thankful that, he's ready, that he is pouring in the oil. oil the oil of his, the, his, his spirit and his power and his comfort. The things of the, the, things of the spirit. And at, at the start of this, you're just going to have to bear with me a moment because I just need to share some heart and vision, if you will. Uh, because he's with us and because he's pouring in the oil, that, that is no, no indication of easy. Hello? That's no indication of easy. It's just an assurance of, of presence and victory. He was with them at Jericho. They still had to go. He was with them in every battle when they crossed the Jordan River. They still had to fight the battle. But their victory was assured. Hello. And I've said it more than one time. I'll say it again. Mag Church is at a, has, has been at a crossroads of ministry and, and I believe we are beginning to turn a corner on those crossroads because he's with us and he's pouring in the oil. I was at a, a, a conference I go to every year at, in Texarkana this last week and the, and the, and the presence of the Lord was uh, magnificent and the worship was uh, uh, from another world, so to speak. Uh, the, the preaching was impeccable, and his presence was made known, and I was thankful for that. But at the same time, it stirs a, a holy jealousy, if you will, in me. Do you know that there is a jealousy that's not sin? Do you know that? God is jealous for his people, 
the Bible says. That's not, God cannot sin. Hello. There, it sparked, uh, uh, again, a holy jealousy in me seeing what God can and will do for a people that are hungry for him. And we have not yet reached that hunger as a, as a church. But he's pouring his presence is with us and he is pouring in the oil. That's why I began to even say, you have no better place to be on Sunday at 5 o'clock than in a prayer meeting. You know what? If he, if he doesn't show up, you will be sleepy and bored. If he does show up, he will change your world and this world and this church and we will touch the world. And he has been showing up at our prayer meetings. I encourage you to be, you say, you are guilt tripping me. Listen, I don't, I, I've learned a long time ago that there's no manipulation that can come from a pulpit that will make an eternal difference. And it's not who I am. It's never been who I am. And it's not who I will ever be. It is a fact of the matter that if the church doesn't pray, it will not happen. And so if it's not you and it's not me, then who is it going to be? And I have been called to lead this church. And the lead is, is to say this is the way, walk you in it. Everything we know as a people of the word is under attack today. And not just from the outside. In fact, it's mostly from the inside. And that is what matters. You know what? The world has always attacked what was true. The enemy has always came against the things of God. That is nothing new. But the Word of God talks about what would begin to happen in the last days. And it would be people who knew the truth and who know better. And yet they attack the truth. The Bible calls them scoffers. See, I believe God can deal with the cynical and the cynic. I do not believe God can deal with the scoffer. Because a scoffer is someone who knows what's true and just willfully comes against it. I just, I, I'd have brought, I, I've got, we're going to be preaching until next year. Y'all know a sticky note's good for an hour, so what's this good for? Did you bring your lunch? No, I just thought I would look really quickly at something because there's one thing I know that's true that we believe that the scriptures are the inspired word of the living God. And from within the church today, now among many, it, is, it contains the words of God. Or maybe it's a, a book that can give you good instruction. But is it the inspired word of the living God that it is inerrant, infallible, and it's the ever-living seed of the word of God that is largely not believed anymore from the so-called church? That is the foundation of everything we have. The second thing that we believe fundamentally is that there is one true God. And I, so let me put it in the ways that you understand we're hearing all over that, 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 that Islam and, and, that, and Judaism, all, that we all serve the same God. That is absolutely not true. Fundamentally untrue. When Oprah stands with the, with the imam and, 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 and the guru and, and the, the so-called pastor and, and the church leaderships and talks about all the ways that there is to God, Oprah is a liar. Let's deal with, let's just deal with those. And it doesn't have to be Oprah, it can be anybody. But she influences the world still today. And still Christians turn into that garbage. While it's, we are literally, you ever seen the meme with the little tree sprout and it has, a, it, has a, it has a rope tied around one of its small branches and a noose around the neck with a Christian pouring water on the tree? Literally growing your own destruction when you don't stand against the things and the people there's things you ought to stand for. There's things you ought to stand against. And some of the things you can stand against is that by simply not giving it your time and your attention. It's not making room for, you know what, I don't find anywhere in this Word of God where it says to respect different religions. 
I would challenge anybody in this room live that's watching via live stream or maybe watch it at, at any point, at any point in time, my, you can do contact at, mag, at mymag.church, I think it is, and email me if you want to at any point and send me anywhere in this book that it even insinuates that we are supposed to respect false belief. No, we are supposed to preach the truth and to tear down the lie. That's what we're supposed to do. And there's one true God. It is Jehovah God. It is the only one that loves you. He's the only one that sent his son to die for you. He is the only one that made a way to him. He is the only one. He is the one true God. The word is true. The Bible's right or why are you here? The Bible's right whether you're here or you're not here. The Bible's right whether you believe it or you don't believe it. But when you don't believe, you will get the truth of what it says is coming. There's a, there's a misconception even about the Word of God and the one true God. They say, if God is so good, then why does He send people to hell? That is not the question. The fact of the matter is, as you were born a sinner, you were born on your way to hell, and the goodness of God made a way to save you from eternal damnation. He didn't come to condemn you, as John 3.17 so famously says. He came to save you. That's the goodness of God. He didn't have to make a way for us to come back to Him. How do I know that? The Word clearly tells us because there was a fall before the fall. You know this by now. Jesus said, I saw you fall, Satan, as lightning to the earth. He took a third of the, of, of the angelic host with Him. And the Word of, of God is clear that it says that He did not redeem the angelic host. But he did redeem us. It's under attack, Jeff. The deity of Christ is under attack. We hear, oh, he was a prophet. Oh, he was a good man. Oh, he, sh- he was a moral man that gave us a way to live. No. He was all of those things, but so much more. He was the only begotten of the Father. He is the propitiation for my sin. That means he is literally the only sacrifice that could satisfy the burning anger of God against the sin of man. And he sent all the heaven's best who put on the the cloak of humanity, but all the divinity of heaven was still in him. He was was so man that he he was touched by the feelings of my infirmities. But he was so God that he could make a way straight to the mercy seat where I could walk boldly into the throne of grace and obtain mercy and grace in my time of need. He was so man that when his friend died that he wept over the situation. But he was so God that he stepped out into the tomb and called him by name and said, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what? He came out of the grave bound from head to toe. He was so God that he called him out of death. (laughs) He is divine. (laughs) And And within the Pentecostal realms, we no longer believe in the baptism and the Holy Spirit, and especially that it's evidenced by initially and physically by speaking in other tongues. Let me tell you, it's still in there. It's still in there. It's not just in Acts chapter 2. It's not just in Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 19. It was all the way back in Isaiah when he spoke to the people of God that were turning on him. He said, okay, you're going to rebel against me. He said, I will raise up a people and with, uh, from other nations and with other tongues that they will speak on my behalf. He was speaking toward the day of Pentecost. And the promise I might tell you is unto you and to your children, all of those who are far off, even as many as the Lord your God shall call. People get hung up on Acts 2.38. How about Acts 2.39 and 40 that tells you that the promise is for everybody. By the way, if you go anywhere that build their, that build their entire fellowship on one verse, you need to get out of it. I'll tell you, it doesn't make any difference who it is. 
what their title is, if they're building a doctrine and a lifestyle and, and a fellowship based on one verse, they are out of balance. End of story. It doesn't matter what the t- title is on the door. They're out of balance. <laughs> He's still the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. We still believe in the ministry. And you know what? He is still the healer. I'm just laying some things out today because we've lose sight of. Let me, let me help you set my cessationist friends. And it doesn't make any difference if you're a cessationist in doctrine or if you're just a cessationist in, a cessationist in practice. Because there's many people that will believe what it says written down, but they don't act on and believe and live in what it says in their life. It doesn't make any difference if you're a cessationist in doctrine or if you're just a cessationist in practice. Either one, you're dead. And you don't believe what the Word of God has to say for your life. And if Jesus cannot be, if Jesus cannot be the healer, Come get this. If Jesus cannot be the healer, then he can't be your savior. Oh, I'm going to say it again because that made people nervous. If you can believe that Jesus can take a sinner and when they believe on his name and confess him with his mouth, that he can come and wash them clean and change their life and set them on a path of life and out of death, bring them out of darkness into light, but you, then, and, you can't, and you don't believe he heals, that he's still a miracle worker, then you don't understand the greatest miracle that was ever performed was whenever he pulled you out of death and into life. There's nothing greater that he could ever do. If, he, if you can believe he can heal you, that if he can save you, then you can believe he can heal you. That he still does miracles today. And I got a question. I'm just, I came to challenge a little bit this morning, not even to my text yet. I came to challenge a little bit this morning because I got a question for you. I got questions for you. If you don't believe he's a healer and a miracle worker, which a lot of, most of Christendom don't even believe it by doctrine anymore. It's literally their doctrine. They don't, but they believe it ended with the apostles. But I got a question for you. Why in the world do you pray? Tell me, why? I'll let it settle a minute. Why do you pray? Well, oh, we don't believe he does that anymore. That ended with the apostle. Well, I'm not feeling good, but y'all pray for me tonight. Why? He don't do miracles anymore. Let it, it'll run its course or go see the doctor. My kids are far out and they're, and they're, and if if I don't know what I'm going to do, would you pray for my kids? No. Of course we will. But why pray? I'm asking mad church this morning. Anybody that happens to be watching this morning, why pray? If you don't believe there's a God who hears you. I'm, 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 I'm painting you into a corner and I'm doing it on purpose. If you don't believe that God hears and answers prayer today, then why pray? In fact, if we don't believe God hears and answers prayer, why bother? Why bother? But I'm thankful that this book still declares, you know what I think that theology came from? I'm going to give you an idea. I think that was way more about a bunch of people, faithless people, covering their own backside because God didn't move in their life than it ever was about what the Word of God says. Hmm. When they prayed, nothing happened. You know why? They didn't believe. I just didn't come to play anymore. I came to, to challenge a church to pray. To challenge a church to just believe that God will and does. 
Not only that he can, somebody, but that he will. And does. And you know what? That's okay. I come to challenge Mag Church that there's no way to praise in silence. I'll tell you again. We should be a praising, thankful people. And there's no way to do it in silence. There is no way to praise in silence. And there's power in your praise. In fact, I will tell us again that your praise is your entrance into the throne room. Second Peter chapter 3. Let me read to you really quickly. Verse 1 says, Beloved, I now write you in this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of a reminder. And by the way, I want you to notice the language. I stir up. I stir up. You know what Paul told Timothy? Stir up the gift that is within you. That is actually going to take moving something. That is actually going to, that is actually going to take action. And in Paul's writing, when he told Timothy to stir up the gift that was winning, it was literally the, with the imagery of a fire that had went nearly out and was down to ashes and coals. The fire was nearly out. And he said, you know, he said, and stir it up and add fuel to the fire. What, you know what happens when you do that? The fire will come back to the fuel. You're going to have to put some wood on it. Mac Church, you. By way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and and a commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing first that scoffers will come in the last days. Walking according to what? Their own lusts. That Lord lust does not mean they're chasing women. It means according to their own strong desires, what they want for themselves. Not for you. Their own lusts. It's for them. They're... And saying, where is the promise of his coming? We sung all morning that we believe he's coming back. Can I ask a question at Mag Church? Do you still believe that he is coming back? Do you believe it? Where's the promise of his coming? For for all things are as they were from the beginning of of creation. They said, since the fathers have fall, fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That's what they said in, Mo, in Noah's day too. And you know what? All things did continue in Noah's day until they didn't. As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus said in Matthew 24, As it was in the days of Lot, he continued in the same dissertation. You know what? It was all the same until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. The scoffers will come in the last night, walk according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fall asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But listen to this next line. The scoffers, are you hearing me? For this... They willfully forget. For this, they willfully forget. That's not a deception. I told you that all the things that I, that the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the inspired word of God, that there's only one true God, that he's still the healer, that he's still the baptizer, that, he, that, that they, they know that. 
yet they willfully forget. It was a decision. An act of their own will. And what did it say it was going to happen? The last days. They forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth was standing out of water and in the water and by which the world that then existed perished being flooded by water but the heavens and the earth which were now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and and the perdition of ungodly men. But beloved do not forget one thing that a day with the Lord with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years one day. Now listen to me. For God is not slack concerning his promises. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I refuse to be among the scoffers. Mag Church, hear me. I refuse to be among the scoffers. We have decisions to make as a church, but I'm going to join with, with Joshua that would say, to choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, and I will say, but as for me and this house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It'll bring you to places of decision. And it will bring people like me to a place where they just no longer care about the opinions of the scoffer. Whether they're out there or in here. You just have to come to the place that you know that you're, what you're called to do. And the pastor and the, and, and the five-fold ministry is called to equip you. I, it's not called to do for you. It's to equip you for the doing. Mag Church, are we going to do it? I've got four. Mag Church, are we going to do it? I believe that we're in a, at a place that we have to put everything about what we do and how we do it on the table. Let me say that again. I believe we are at a place where we, and we, I mean Mag Church, and really every family in Mag Church, not just while you're here and your home. Because if what we do here doesn't go to your home, in fact, if this word does not change you from week to week, if we're not, if we're not changed from faith to faith and glory to glory, something's wrong. I'm nearly five years in at Mag Church now. And it's high time that we started walking in the things that this book says that we can have. And it's not maintaining the status quo. Hear me. It is not maintaining the status quo. It's not maintaining the status quo. I think everything we do has to be bathed in prayer. And everything we do has to be on the table. Why we do it. How we do it. When we do it. You say you just keep changing it. You don't change anything for change's sake. If we, if we didn't learn anything in 2008 whenever, ever, when the mantra was hope and change... We found out what hope, what change for the sake of change gets you. Do I need to come back down? I'm going to remind you of some things I said from day one. Some of y'all wasn't here day one. Some of you were. If we keep doing the same, if we keep doing the same thing we've always done, 
You're going to get what you've always gotten. Everything should be on the table. What was Einstein's definition of insanity? To do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. Everything we do should be on the table. How we do Sunday school. How we do service. How we do prayer meetings. How we do outreach. How we do evangelism. How we do missions. All of it. How we do school. See, it gets quiet because it's about change. You say, uh, everybody, everybody loves change. No. They don't. They don't. They don't. The only people that love change is babies. Get their diaper changed. I saw on the back of a cow trailer, it says, you should change your babies and your politicians often. And for the same reason. Yeah. 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 Everything on the table. We're getting Sunday school in just a couple of weeks with some changes. But the whole objective will be what does it mean to have a biblical worldview? And I dare say, I've got to hurry. I dare say, I'm, I'm looking around. There's one thing I know that 90% of statistics are made up on the spot. So let's just go with a majority of the people in this, this room. I don't want to deal with out there. I want to deal with right here. The majority of people in this room, I dare say, do not have a biblical worldview. And now collectively, would y'all do me a favor? Would you all join me? I'm going to say it again, then I want something I want you to do for me. I dare say that the majority of the people in this room do not have a biblical worldview. And now on the count of three, I need you to go... <gasps> One, two, three. <gasps> okay, you've gasped. I told the junior high and the senior high this morning, a so-called Christian worldview is not a biblical worldview. A Christian worldview can mean a lot of things. Because 75% of the people almost in this country claim to be a Christian, and we all know that's not true. So they would all say they have a Christian worldview. That's not, that's not a biblical worldview. Right. A biblical worldview says this is what the wor Word says. It is correct, and therefore, this is the way I will live. And you know what that means? It means your opinion doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. The superintendent's opinion doesn't matter. The Pope's opinion doesn't matter for God's sake. <laughs> the media's opinion doesn't matter. And you know what? My own opinion about me doesn't matter. A biblical worldview says, this is what the Word of God says about this, and it's right. And not only do I agree mentally that it is right, that I will live it, because it is right. It's a big, see, it's, it, it doesn't do anything to, for anybody to have some kind of mental affirmation that this is right if it doesn't change your lifestyle. A biblical worldview, everybody has a worldview. You're going to hear about worldview a lot. You know why? Because everybody has one. Without exception, 100%, I can, I'm assured of that 100%, you know what? Those little twin boys right now, they have a worldview. Right now their worldview is if I grunt just right, somebody will come running. Yep. <laughs> they are convinced of it. Yeah. 
If I, if I make this noise for this thing, somebody is going to respond this way. Everybody in this room has a worldview. And your worldview determines how you live in this world. Without exception. What you think determines what you do. Period. Oh, I could go, I could go down some things and just get some people stirred up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> oh no, I could just start at the one that, that everybody loves. You know, a biblical worldview will cause you to return 10% of everything God's ever given you to the Lord. And somebody in this house will say, there goes that preacher. They're always talking about money. I dare you to find, I dare you to find 10 minutes over five years and put it together about me talking about money. Because let me tell you something about, about tithing. Tithing is an act of worship. Tithing is not because God needs money. Tithing is an act of what, by the way, that's a doctrine that is widely under attack. And by the way, it, the main attack came from a guy that his last name was Dollar. And by the way, he waited till he was nearly a billionaire to decide to teach something different. Scoffers, 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 scoffers. It says they, that they chase their own desires, their own lusts. But I'm going to tell you, a biblical worldview will cause you to give 10% of all of it. Unless you wonder, yes, yes I do. And yes, I have for a very long time. And yes, you know why? Because I have a biblical world view. I just thought I'd start with the one that would, uh, that would uh, offend the most people. Because there's one thing I heard a long time ago, and I think it's true. It says the, your pocketbook's the last thing to get saved. Now I'm going to tell you, but I will tell you one thing, according to Malachi, that says, prove me. Here we, he says, has a man robbed God? He says, how's a man robbed God? He said, in your tithe and your offering. And, the, and Jesus, go, or the, the Lord goes by, the Holy Spirit goes on to say, prove me. Here with, saith the Lord. Oh, if, uh, Jeff, I know the Lord would never dare us to do anything. But he almost dares us to do it. He almost dares, not a tip. Well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm in neck deep. I'm, I'm, I've already made the people going to be mad, mad. I, so I might as well just say on. We got, God, don't, God don't need tippers. He doesn't need a tipper. He needs a tither. Go ahead and prove me here with Seth the Lord. See if I will not open the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing upon you that you do not have room enough to receive it. He says, go ahead and see if I will not rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's what it says. I didn't really, that really, really, I mean, I, that wasn't in my plan, but it really, that really wasn't in my plan. But you know why? That's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. It's an act of worship. And it's the one that trips more people up than anything else. I tell you what trips people up more than anything else. It is to tithe and to raise their hand and raise their voice and give praise to a, say, to a, to a God who is worthy of it. Those two things trip because both of them, one of them addresses your pocketbook and where your treasure is. And the other one addresses your pride. I want the power of God. Where have I told you? Somebody should remember this, although I hadn't mentioned it in a month. I want, I want the power of God in my life. The power of God is in obedience. 
The power of God is in obedience. The power of God is in obedience. The power of God is in obedience. Well, I was holding back because God wanted the best. That's the same thing that Saul said to Samuel. Give it all, Saul. Don't hold nothing back. Did you hold anything back? No, I didn't hold anything back. Well, what is that lowing of the cattle and that bleeding of the sheep that I hear in my ears? He says, oh, well, I saved that back for a sacrifice. He got all religious on him. You know what God said? He said, Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. To hearken than to the fat of lambs. Obedience is better. Brandon, come back and play. It's early for Mag, and I ain't done. Brandon, come back and play. God hasn't changed his mind on anything he wrote down. Not a thing. Not a thing. Not one thing. You don't want his power if you don't want to obey. That's hype. And religious poppycock. Jargon. You can trust him. 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 Mag Church, how many times are we going to have to say it? You can trust him. There's somebody beside you that doesn't know it yet. If you know it, then you need to respond. You can trust him. Somebody beside you needs to hear you agree with that. You say, I'm just going to address it all. I'm out, on the, I'm out on the rotten plank, Katrina. I might as well address it all. My church needs to become a responding church to the word of God. Not to JR. Not to JR. Not to JR. You know what? I'm going to eat and I'm going to lay down my head at night and I'm going to put my, and I'm, and I'm going to go to the bank whether you do or whether you don't. But I'm going to tell you it affects you and everybody around you. That's not my personality. Your personality has nothing to do with what the Word of God says for God's people. It's not a request. It's not a request. It's let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I want to tell you, you can trust Him. And there's people that you need to agree with the Word of God. And there's people sitting beside you that are in a different place than you. And they need to, they need to see somebody else agree with the Word of God. You know why? Because that's how faith comes. They need to know they're not in it alone. We've got to stop preaching for people just not to go to hell. We've got to start preaching for people to get in the Word, find out what it says, and obey it. Because that is where the victory of life comes. You can live a life that you, that you when you die, you go to heaven. But you can live because you, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and he saved you. But you can live this whole life below everything God intended to you because you never made him Lord. Because Lord deals with that too. Because when he becomes Lord, he becomes in charge. When he becomes Lord, he becomes in charge. I'm back to the preach it full or empty stage of ministry because the Bible's right. Mac Church, the Bible's right. And the day that I quit believing that the Bible's right is the day that you no longer need me. The Bible's right. Isaiah 58, 
very quickly. I dealt with a little bit of trusting God and the tithe, and I'm going to deal with it now. And what the other thing that people struggle over the most. And why do you think God made it so prominent? There's a reason. Isaiah 58 says, cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and tell my people their transgression. And the house of of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation did righteousness. And did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice and take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? This is God's people saying, why have we done this and you've left us this way? And he goes on to it. Well, I'll just read it. He he goes and explains to him why. He says, in fact, in your day of fast, you find pleasure and you exploit all your laborers. This is God speaking to his people. He said, why have I not heard you in your fastings? And in your prayers, here's why. He says, because you, you, you find pleasure in it and enforcing it on other people. He says, you exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. And to stri- strike with a fist of wickedness. You do not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Look what it says. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? Question mark. A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this fast an acceptable day of the Lord? Question mark. We dealt with a tithe because people stumble over that. Well, we're going to deal with food. <laughs> is, it, is this not the fast I have chosen? This is God. Listen to what it does. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Yeah. To loose the bonds of wickedness. I'm going to go ahead and say right here, I've heard fasting preached every way there was except the way the Bible teaches it. If you you pray and fast, God has to do this. The Hebrew word for that is the same as the Greek word. It's baloney. Here's the reason. Is it not to loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? To let the oppressed go free and, to, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? That's not just a food line. That is to share the Word of God, the bread of life with the hungry of this world. And hide not yourself from your own flesh. Or let me, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that when you bring to your house the poor or the cast out, if you bring them to your house? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then, then, it deals with, let me help you, it deals with you. And your wickedness, your flesh. Fasting is for you. It's not for God. It's for you. Let me say it again. It's for you, not for God. It's for you. Then your light shall spring forth like morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. 
The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then, then, listen to me, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here am I. If you take away the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy your afflicted soul, then your light shall break forth in darkness. Then your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord, listen, verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build up the old waste places. Let me say something, Mag. It says those from among you. Those from among you shall, shall build up the old waste places. You shall rise up, raise up the foundations of many generations. You hearing about generations that are failing? You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. To the Jewish nations, he begins to talk to them about their Sabbath and how if you honor the Sabbath. To the, to the church, he would say, because we live in Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. It's in him that we, that we live and move and have our being. It's in him that we find our rest. That if we will honor his presence and in his rest, that then... Not finding your own pleasure nor your own words. Then you shall delight the Lord, yourself and the Lord. And you will cause him to ride on the hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Stand with me all over this place. One of these days, this place is going to end in a shout and not with a yawn. One of these days, and I'm going to keep preaching until it does. I came to Texas, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I, I'm, I've been in the mood just to say it. I didn't come to Texas to pastor a dead denominational church. Some of you were raised in Pentecost, you know exactly what it is. I'm not I'm talking about fleshy garbage. I, I'm just going to ask you, I'm not trying to point you about it. If you were raised in Pentecost, raise your hand. My God then why? Why does Mag Church act like it doesn't know what a full gospel church is in its worship and in its praise and in its presentation and in its prayer? Why? He's pouring in the oil, Mag Church. Are we going to pray? Are we going to pray? Are we going to fast? Are we going to lay it all on the table all of our life? Everything we do, Heather Ann, everything me and you do is on the table. Let me say it a different way. Everything we do is on the altar. All of it. We'll no longer, I will no longer do anything because that's what we've always done. We will no longer do it this church because it's what we've always done. Because we've done what we've always done and we've gotten what we always got. I'm going to ask you and challenge again who's going to lay it all on the table. Because I'm going to tell you, if you raise your hand, it's going to require something different of you. If you raise your hand, it's not before the preacher, it's before God. Who's going to do it? That means, that means we come in this place not having to get ready for church. We come in this place ready for church. That doesn't mean we come in this place not, not to get ready to praise. We, have it, we come in this church having praise all week, a lifestyle of it. And when we come in this place, that the manifest presence of a living God will meet us here. I'm telling you, Jeff, when you come in with thanksgiving, you come in with praise, I am telling you that you are going to walk into the throne room of God and it's going to change everything. Are we going to lay it down? 
That means it's going to rearrange your priorities. There's some of us that are not laying it down because we don't want to give anything up. That is a bottom line truth. You don't want to give anything up. You've got it just the way you want it. And you don't want God or anybody else messing it up. But we will come to the end of ourselves. That's why he says to loose the bonds of wickedness. When you want you more than you want God, Jeff, it is wicked. I'm going to end it the same verses that I've ended the last three weeks. If my people, that's not the world, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That takes more than two minutes once a week. And turn from their wicked ways. Not the world's wicked ways, our wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins. Then I will heal their land. You want something to change in America? America will only change when God's people do this. And if that's you today, it is 1213. We usually preach until 1240. If that's you today, I would run to this altar. I would run to this place and I would begin to present myself. If it's not you, excuse yourself now. Go on. It's fine. Come back next week. If it's you next week, you can try it again. That's just, that's just where I'm at. And I make no apology for it. The Lord will make no apology for it. If you're, not, if you're not here, if you're not here and coming to lay it all on the altar, then go ahead and go to lunch. But if you're here to do it, let's do it all over this house. All over this house. Mouth. Open your mouth and begin to humble yourself and pray. All over this house, God, we need you. Not only do we need you, I need you. There's some of you that the hardest admission you're ever going to make is that I need you. It's real easy to say we need you, but I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, show me the way. Lord, take my life. Take everything I have. Take everything I have. Take my plans. Take my dreams. Lord, I lay it all on the table for you right now. Change everything about me if that's what's necessary. You need to understand that he will never ask for anything that you need. And he won't ask for everything you have. Unless you're not willing to give it. Do we know that? Would somebody cry aloud and spare not? Would somebody have enough of the drudge of life? Would somebody have enough of, of no manifest presence of God in your home? Never mind in the service, in your home. Why have we got so content with just making it? Why? Why are we so content with just barely scraping by spiritually? God, we need you. Lord, I need you. This church needs you. This nation needs you. God, we got to have you. Lord, if you, don't, if you don't change our situation, we're not going to make it. Lord, if you, if you don't come and empower a people that they don't get hungry, that nothing will change. Lord, I need you in my family. I need you in my going, in my coming, in my waking, in my sleeping. Lord, I need you. Lord, change my mind on the things that I've been stubborn with. Lord, take what I don't need and Lord, give me your wisdom. Lord, give me your wisdom. Church, the word declares that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And that he will give it liberally without holding anything back. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom in this place. Would somebody ask him all across this place, would you ask him, would you lay yourself bare and say, God, would you show up in this house? Not just a flash on a Sunday morning, but Lord, would you come and abide here? Would you come and dwell here? Would you ask him? Would you ask him? Would you come to a place that you know that he's worthy of the praise? 
Would you come to the? Because there's some people in this house that you that you, that you're that you, that you're a musician. There's some people in this house that you're a shouter. There's some people in this house that you're a runner. There's some. But I know one thing that he that he is the lifter of our head, no matter who we are. That we ought to come into his house with thanksgiving and joy in our heart. Instead, we're barely making it by. Lord, would you move in this place? Would you ask him? If it was Paul, he would be saying, I beseech you. But since it's me, I'll say I'm begging you. As your pastor, would you ask him? Would you allow him? Somebody in this house, would you allow him to to rearrange all your priorities? Would you allow him? Would you allow him? All of them. All of them. That you would allow God to rearrange all of your priorities. All of them. Is there anybody in this house that would say, you get all of it? You get all of it. And I'm going to tell you straight up, what you're not willing to give up is what's standing between you and him. Straight up. Not just for you, but for me. Whatever I'm not willing to give him is is, is what's holding him back. I'm going to remind somebody in this house, he asked for Isaac. He asked for Isaac. He asked for Isaac. But what he wanted was Abraham. Did you hear me? He asked for Isaac. Take, it, take the boy and take him to the mountain and offer him to me as a burnt sacrifice. He asked for Isaac. When he went to take him, he said, stop. He said, stop. God said, now I know, now I know that you've held nothing from me. He didn't want, he asked for Isaac. He wanted Abraham. What are you, what are you holding back? What are you holding back? Somebody in this room, I'm not talking out of my, speaking out of my, my, my mind. Hear me. Somebody in this room, the reason you hold back is because you know that he's, he's, you have to answer the call of God on your life and it's going to change every dream you ever had. I know about that. I know all about that. And you're not willing to give it. Let me tell you something. You're building your house on the sand. You're building your house on sand. It may look just like the house on the rock for a while. It may look like everything you ever wanted, but the storms are going to come. And the wind is going to blow. And the winds are going to crash against it. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. It's going to fall. And great will be the fall thereof. Ask me how I know. There's two ways I know because the book says so and because I've lived it. There's somebody in this house, that's why you're not willing to give him everything. There's other people in this house that you're not willing to give it because you're living dreams through somebody else and you know you're going to have to give it up. If you're going to have what's for you and for your family. Mac Church, this, this is a biblical church and a biblical worldview. This, this, where people are going to come lay it all down. This is it. It's the price the old timers used to talk about. It's going to cost you something. In fact, it's going to cost you everything. 
But the everything you get in return is so much more. There's some people that need to be fasting. Everybody needs to be praying. Everybody needs to be rearranging and laying it on the table. And I'm begging the people in Mag Church to seek God for this church. To seek, Scott, a move, a sovereign move of the living God. Not a flash two Sundays ago and nothing. A change. We need it. I need it. But you let me tell you who else needs it. Orange County needs it. Southeast Texas needs it. Your kids, you're bored, roll their eyes, contempt for everything you do, kids, need a move of God that will change everything about them. Here I am. Send me. That's it. Here I am. Send me.